I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Busy day for President Joe Biden, as we were just talking in the last segment, uh, set to uh, sign an executive order, uh, which would do a a number of uh, things related to uh, licensing, minimum wage, non-compete clauses uh, in uh, employment agreements. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, just within the last hour, uh, the president called for Congress to pass his jobs and families plan uh, during a speech at McHenry County College. Uh, Democrats, uh, of course, hope to pass this bigger plan, this massive multi-trillion dollar plan, which includes investments in human infrastructure uh, as well as clean energy. And they intend to do that through reconciliation, uh, which if you really boil that all down, what that means is they will be able to pass that uh, without any Republican votes. Remember, normally you would need in the United States Senate some bipartisanship. You have to get to 60 votes uh, to get something done. And through reconciliation, which uh, you can do once or twice a year uh, through different schemes and mechanisms within the rules of the Senate, uh, they can do that with uh, just 50 votes. And uh, then, of course, the vice president would cast the deciding vote, 51, when there is a tie. Uh, So in the president's speech today, uh, he talked about the bipartisan deal that will do a lot for physical infrastructure. And I think everybody agrees on that. We've got to get our roads and bridges and uh, internet, high-speed uh, internet access to rural communities, uh, all that is part of physical infrastructure. Today, the president really doubled down on his focus on the need for human infrastructure being essential as well. There's a lot more the agreement's going to do to encourage the physical and sure the physical infrastructure lays the foundation for a strong, durable, and sustainable competitive economy. But what I want to talk about today is human infrastructure. It's essential to that foundation as well. To truly win the 21st century and once again lead the world, to truly build an economy from the bottom up and the middle out, to truly deal everybody in this time, we need to invest in our people. We need to invest in our people. The president went on to say that uh, adding four more years to public education is also part of that human infrastructure. And so the fact of the matter is, we've decided, I've decided we should have a minimum of 14 years of education. 14 years of education, which I'll explain in a second. You know, as the first lady, I'm Jill Biden's husband, uh, but as Jill would say, and she's a full-time community college professor while being the the first lady, she often says any nation that out-educates us is going to out-compete us. Uh, I do like that line. Uh, countries that out-educate us will out-compete us. 
uh, for sure. And it's how we do that. And again, it's it's what is the result? It's not just that we have four more years of education. What are the outcomes? And can we get to those outcomes, I think, is the, the critical component. The president went on to talk about investment in clean energy, again, part of uh, this infrastructure package. I want to provide tax cuts for businesses and consumers who invest in clean energy te- technologies like renewables, battery storage, next generation aviation fuels, electric vehicles. I want to set the clean electric standard that moves us to a fully clean and reliable grid. These steps are going to create good paying union jobs and spur demand for domestic manufacturing, accelerating clean energy and clean cars, growing our capacity to build those technologies on factory floors with union workers here in the United States. So again, making a big push uh, in terms of those union worker jobs uh, and uh, being able to do things here in the U.S. Uh, The president uh, talked about the economy, that the economy is growing, uh, that it's growing at a rate similar to what it was in 1984 and touting his plan. Again, this is going to be a multi-trillion dollar uh, part of the deal uh, that it will also create millions of jobs. The last time energy, the economy grew at this rate was in 1984, and Ronald Reagan was telling us it was an American morning. This is going to be an American century. The experts on Wall Street, analysts, have said that we'll create millions of good-paying jobs for years and decades to come, not just in the near term. So I'm going to be making the case to the American people until the job is done, until we bring this bipartisan deal home, until we meet the needs of families today and the economy of tomorrow. And we can pay for it. Finally, the president uh, went on to talk about the all-important component of this, and that is, how do we pay for it? You now, by the way, the American the, the plan for infrastructure is paid for. It's paid for. And this plan that I'm talking about, which is really expensive if you add it all up, well, guess what? The fact is that it's paid for as well. And let me tell you how we're going to pay for it. Some of the ways to pay for the rest of it is the last couple of years, for example, 55 of the Fortune 500 companies making billions of dollars did not pay a single penny in taxes. Everybody has to pay their fair share. I'm not trying to gouge anybody. Everybody has to get in the game. If we put in place a minimum 15% tax on the profits of corporations, the ones that didn't pay any tax. That would raise a quarter of a trillion dollars. Okay, so that was the president's speech just within the last hour uh, in Illinois, uh, talking about uh, his Build Back Better plan. And uh, it's interesting, he's, he's gone through, of course, the bipartisan part of the deal, uh, which, of course, is on traditional infrastructure, roads, bridges, uh, that uh, waterways, airports, uh, high-speed internet, and so on. Uh, all of those are, are part of the bipartisan deal, which is also getting some pushback uh, more so from the left right now than uh, from the right and the Republicans. Uh, as uh, late as last night, you had uh, people like Bernie Sanders and uh, Senator Whitehouse uh, saying that they will not vote for that bipartisan deal uh, because it's not big enough, because it's not spending enough, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, then we also have the uh, second part of that, which is the Democrats part of the plan, which is uh, solely going to be done with Democratic votes. And it is multi-trillion and covers everything from clean energy to what the president likes to tout as human infrastructure. 
in terms of uh, edu- additional years of education and child care, insurance, and so on. Uh, here's here's the rub for me today on all of this. We can have a debate about all of these issues. The thing I took exception with the president on today was he, he poked at Mitch McConnell, and I'm usually not against the president poking at Mitch McConnell uh, because I think that is part of the problem. But he poked at Mitch McConnell saying, well, you know, Mitch McConnell – is taking credit for part of what is in this big, massive, multi-trillion dollar deal, talking about the child tax credit. The president wants to extend that to 2025, and I actually think most Republicans want to to do the same. And, and so what the president said was, look, the Republicans want to take credit for this part of the proposal, but they're going to vote against it. And to me, that is the fake fight and the false choice that we have become all too accustomed to out of Washington. So... It is not out of the realm of thinking that you can say, well, yes, I am for extending child tax credit, but I am not for child tax credit as part of three to six trillion dollars of additional spending. Uh, That is logical. That is rational. That is reasonable. And so I I think it was a little bit of a, a false choice move there by the president. And that's always disappointing to me. Again, I don't care about political party uh, on that, I'll be an equal opportunity, opportunity offender forever on that because both both sides do it. it doesn't make it right. Uh, I think it makes it wrong and it prevents us from having the real discussion. If you were confident in that child tax credit, put that on its own on the floor of the Senate and the House and take a vote and then prove it out. And if the Republicans are for it, they'll vote for it. If not, you can call them out that they're against it. But don't create this fake fight of, oh, hey, they want to take credit for it, but they're going to vote against it. Uh, But they're voting against it because it's part of almost $6 trillion of additional spending that is not all really infrastructure related. So to me, that's the fake fight and the false choice of the day by the president. I think he had some important things to say in terms of that human infrastructure, and those are debates that we should have as well. I believe we should have those on the floor of the House and the Senate in front of the American people. Let's have a real amendment process and see who has the courage, both Democrats and Republicans, to put forward plans that we can actually vote on and then hold people accountable for. All right, we're going to step aside. We're going to build you some infrastructure. Don't go anywhere. If you would like a bridge to the Garth Brooks concert, your chance to enter to win is coming up next here on KSL News Radio. Stay with us. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.